All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to kind of start this uh, journey with you. If you if you don't know, uh, two weeks ago Jared kind of introduced uh, this series we would uh, be in, uh, working through uh, the entire Bible uh, in, in a year. And then last week we let the other guy preach his last sermon before he moved to Texas. So now we can get started. Um, so I'm really excited to, to work through this uh, because as, as some of us may be uh, in a Bible reading plan, uh, it, it's really cool um, for maybe not to match up exactly, uh, but the church body to, to walk through this. We've always um, really enjoyed working through books of the Bible, uh, but never like this, to, to work through it a whole year. And it seems uh, like it's, it's a big deal, like, wow, can we, can we accomplish that? Yes, obviously uh, we can, uh, and, and it's going to be really fun, uh, really exciting to see every every week this story kind of come together, uh, that we all know, um, but maybe uh, there's there's some things that we're missing, that something is not connecting, uh, and then every Sunday uh, to see that come together, it's going to be really exciting. Uh, and so what better way to begin this um, than with the beginning, literally the beginning. Uh, if you started a reading plan at the new year like some of us uh, have, uh, you will have passed this book already, uh, so sorry if it didn't match up with you. Uh, if your reading plan does match up with today, uh, you have not started a reading plan, so uh, no shame. Uh, there is still time, so let today be the day you start uh, uh, reading the Bible through your plan, whatever it looks like for you. Um, find one. I really enjoy an app called uh, just Reading Scripture, uh, and it, and it uh, sometimes gives a video, and it, it's really cool illustrations, and I, I get to read uh, right now, I think I'm still in Exodus, uh, and I get to read uh, Exodus, uh, and then a psalm, uh, and then a, sometimes a proverb. Um, but find something that works for you, um, but no shame if that's not the case. Um, and, and I think we'll get into later on why this is a big deal, and, and sometimes why it doesn't seem that big of a deal to us to, to read through the Bible. Uh, so we'll be in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Uh, we're going to read through the whole first chapter together, and then we'll take some things from chapter 2 uh, to close out. Uh, and a reminder as you're getting there, uh, for this sermon, uh, and, and really every sermon every week, uh, this, uh, this series, it, it is really important uh, every week as we're reading, whatever we're reading, whatever uh, story, whatever book of the Bible, whatever group of books, sometimes it's going to be uh, two or three books of the Bible that we're looking at every week, uh, whatever it is, it is really important to look at the context, really read and understand what that book is talking about. It is absolutely, it is, it is important. We can't just read it and just do whatever we want with it. It is important to see what it's about, but if we get too wrapped up uh, in all these ideas and small debates and disagreements that come out of these things, that come out of these, these stories and, and these things that God's telling us through his word, uh, a lot of debate and disagreement comes out. Um, but that doesn't really matter. Uh, but if we get too caught up in these things, we are absolutely going to miss the big point. Uh, and not just miss the point of each sermon, we will miss uh, the point of this entire story that we're walking through. And so, yes, this book, this, this, this Bible, is made up of many, many stories, songs, proverbs, prophecies. Uh, but if we simply view these things as separate entities, separate things we can look at uh, that don't actually connect, then what's the point? Uh, 
I'm not going to watch a show uh, that simply tells me a few stories that don't connect. Uh, if I if I stuck through the show, like it's, it's okay. But I, I, you know, so and so told me it gets really better at the end. Um, if I stuck through it, made it to the end, and it just ended with no point, uh, no resolution, uh, I'd be like, why did I just waste my time watching that? Jan and I watched the show. I can't remember the fog, maybe or what it was. It was like, man, this is building up to something, and then like, that was dumb. Why did I watch that? I want to waste my time. Um, I'm not watching a show like that. I'm not reading a book like that. I'm not watching a movie like that. Uh, and so why would we view the greatest book uh, of all time like that? Rather than uh, all this accumulating into one big thing, uh, we would instead read every individual story and follow it as some guidebook. Adam didn't lead his wife well, so I got to be better at that. Uh, I got to lead my wife well. Uh, man, I want to be like David, a man after God's own heart, except that one time with Bathsheba. That, I don't want to do that. Uh, I want to be better at preaching the gospel like Paul and Peter. If we separate this book into little sections to live by and miss the big point, this, the, what we're doing this, this series for, we're not just doing this series to look at every individual story and say, we did it, we read through the Bible. There's a point to all this. But if we look at all these things and, and, and wrap them up into individual things to live by, we're going to fail. We will absolutely fail to live by those things. And the more we read these stories about these great people we want to be like them or these bad people that we absolutely don't want to be like them, we will become frustrated with whatever reading plan you're doing. We're going to become frustrated with the Bible because it's not giving us what we think we need. And, and I think that's what really causes us a lot of times if, if we're working through a reading plan uh, and you, you don't read for a week or two and then you've got to get back on it. I think that's what causes that because we think we're getting something else out of it. We think that this is some guidebook. I've got to do these things. And either we get so wrapped up in all the other stuff that we have to do in our life, good things like being a father, being a husband, but also just other things I want to do. We get so wrapped up in those. But also we see all these things in Scripture and, and we slowly realize, I can't do that. There's no way I can accomplish these things. There's no way that I can be as good as what God wants me to be. And, it, and, and we end it with that. This is a guidebook. Can't do it. I'm done. Instead of looking at the big picture, what is the point of this story? If we step back, read everything in this book with these gospel lens. I think uh, when we planted this church, I started hearing that term gospel lens. First, I thought this is a dumb, another term that we're going to use, uh, but really good putting on this gospel lens to see everything through the gospel. We will see the big picture. We'll see what this is all about. We'll see that it is very, very good. We'll see some from Genesis to Revelation that everything in this story begins to build up upon each other, connecting everything to something so much more than a bunch of words that we're supposed to live by. Instead of that, instead of getting frustrated with that, We'll see that we cannot live up to what God requires of us. But also that we'll see that no one in this book can except for one man. He is the story. He is what this entire thing builds up to. He is everything. And so my hope um, through the sermon, through, through this year, um, that we will see him, Jesus, in everything. Every story, everything we do, we'll see Jesus. I'm going to pray and then we can start reading Genesis chapter 1. Father, uh, I thank you so much for this word, for giving us this wonderful gift, God. I thank you that you are a good, gracious, great, and glorious Father. 
You give us everything we need, not through all this stuff on earth, God, all these, these good gifts that you do give us, families, friends, God. That is not what we need, God, but instead you give us yourself in Jesus, God. Thank you for that, God. I pray that as we are reading this year individually as, as a church, God, that we not turn this into another thing to check off the list that I, that I did my Bible reading plan today. Um, but God, I pray that it becomes something so much more than, than some guidebook to live by, some, some rules to be morally good people, God. Uh, but instead, I pray that this year we begin to see Jesus, not only in, 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 this, in this entire book, God, but everywhere in our lives, God. We see everything through this gospel lens, God change our hearts, God, to where they're hardened from this, God, that, that we think we can do it ourselves, that we think we're not good enough, God. Break us from that and show us Jesus and everything, God. Thank you so much for, the, for this body, for the, for the men uh, who can preach your word every day, through, through everyone leading worship, God, for everyone setting up, God. Thank you just so much for this body of believers here in this building right now in Monroe and across the world, God. God, I pray that uh, this time is not about me, is not about anyone here, um, anything that we're dealing with. This is about you. God, bless this time. Amen. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right, we're already hitting pause. Sorry. Um, uh, this, is, this is really big because in this one verse, these, these 10 words, we immediately see how powerful our God is. Just like that he creates everything. And what makes it crazier is those first three words, in the beginning. Because we know that doesn't just mean in the beginning of the story. Uh, this is the beginning of absolutely everything. Before time, before space, before matter, God was there. And out of nothing, he created everything. And, and, and that's something we really have to grasp. Out of absolutely nothing, he creates everything. Here in these verses that follow is where this debate on, on how long it took God to create everything. This is another thing that, that we can get caught up in. Um, how long has this world existed? Uh, and is it, is it a young earth or is it an old earth? And this is something that it's really cool to read about uh, and try to figure out what you think, what you believe for yourself. Uh, go buy a big book, go Google stuff. Uh, some people, uh, if you ask them about it, I'm not going to say who, uh, we'll even connect it to a story about Jesus' first miracle. And there's going to be a really loud snap involved, and so you'll know who it is. When you ask that person, there's a snap, you'll know it. Um, but there's so many things to think about when we think of old earth or young earth. Um, but it's really cool. It's really cool to look into. But if we so focus on that, we're going to miss the point that, that our God is all-powerful, and everything that we know belongs to him because he created it. It doesn't matter how long it took him to create everything because he did it out of nothing. He created everything out of nothing. And then everything we see today, even all these things that, I don't know who, Google made this. Um, Google needed things to make this. God created everything so that Google could make this. Or whatever your phones or whatever clothes you're wearing, uh, something had to come, that had to come from something. We, we can't just make nothing, so everything out of nothing. Everything that we see, that we own, it belongs to God because he is all-powerful. So we get too wrapped up in all these little details and, and these, all that word says this. And if you look at this chapter of this book, it says this. We're going to miss the point. God is all-powerful. 
And so the first verse was God creating everything, the heavens and the earth. And starting in verse 2 and then the rest of it, uh, we see God preparing his creation for something. And, and this time, we're, we're not going to stop. We're going to go all the way through, I think, the first three verses of chapter 2. Uh, so really sit in. Don't fall asleep. Um, I, I want to try... I want us to try to really put ourselves in this. And so for you, if, it's, if you need to read every word and really study it and really see it, or if you just need to not look at anything and, and think about what I'm reading, I'm, I'm okay at reading, so sorry if I messed you up there. Um, I want to put ourselves in this creation to really see the magnitude of what God is doing here. Really focus on these words. Verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. There was evening and there was morning one day. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the water, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so God called the expanse sky, evening came, morning, the second day. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so, God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the water he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Everything came, evening came, sorry, evening came, and then morning, the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for seasons and for days and years They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on earth. And it was so God made two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night, as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, to rule the day and the night, to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening came, then morning, the fourth day. Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters of the seas. Let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came, then morning, the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Sorry. Then God said, Let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man. This is big. In his own image, he created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female, in the image of God. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. 
rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth, God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth, every tree whose fruit contains seed. These will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, every bird of the sky, every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it. I have given you every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw that all he had made was very good indeed. Evening came, the morning, the sixth day, so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. From all this work he had done, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. For on it he rested from all the work of his creation. So that was a lot. So I hope you uh, got to see that, whether you're reading or just listening to me, stumble over some words, uh, just to see how beautiful this creation was. That In the first verse, he created everything. It was, it was made. Uh, and then he starts preparing this. And we don't know what he's preparing it for. And then we see man and woman come into this. And he's preparing it for them. But he's really preparing it for something so much bigger. So hopefully you were able to see this whole world being created. Uh, I think in The Magician's Nephew, C.S. Lewis, uh, when Aslan sings the world, sings Narnia into creation, uh, it's just a beautiful picture uh, of that. But to see that all this is coming together for something so much bigger than just something being created. Imagine everything coming together perfectly and right. And after he creates each thing, he sees that it is good and then sits back to see everything coming together, everything put together in the right place and sees that it is very good. I think to understand the, the magnitude of creation uh, and, and then in the garden in chapter two, the magnitude of these things, we have to understand what good means. How good was this? And, I, and, and we have to try to do this because there are some roadblocks when we try to understand what good means because the word good often doesn't mean a lot to us. Because a lot of other words seem better. Uh, we'd like to hear a lot of other words rather than good. Uh, example, I, I like food a lot. I think I mentioned food every sermon. Jared made a joke about that last time. Um, but if I go somewhere to eat and I try something new off the menu, I really enjoy it. I often tell Stogner about it. I often tell him that he has to go to this place and try it. Uh, and, and, when I, and I tell him that and then he tries it and I ask him, so what did you think? And if he says it was good, I'd be like, okay, uh, what was wrong with it? Come on, what's wrong? You wanted a bad day. What's your problem, man? You, being a punk. Um, but no, I need him to tell me how incredible, he likes the word incredible, I think, maybe, um, and, and, and how it changed his life, how this is the greatest food he's ever had, whatever. Um, no, not really. Um, but if he just said just good, like, okay, just good. Thanks a lot, man. Never mind. I'm not telling you any more recommendations. Even definitions that I looked up for good, uh, satisfactory in quality, quantity or degree, efficient, useful, suitable to a purpose, boring. This is boring. Good. We have to remember that everything that we claim is good has been corrupted, impaired because of the events that are coming later in chapter three that we're not going to get into today. So you have to come back next week. It's been corrupted. Anything that I create is not up to God's standards. So I'm building a pantry in our garage right now, uh, and, and when I finish, I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to be like, looks good. 
Um, but there are going to be a few things wrong with it. Uh, some things that I've told Shane about and I pointed out to her and explained what happened and other things that I've hidden and only I know about uh, that no one will ever know about because it's hidden under floors and behind walls and stuff. It'll be fine. It is not going to fall down. It'll be good. Um, or, uh, again, with food, if I eat a, a really good cheeseburger, uh, what results from me eating that is usually not good. It's not going to be good. Uh, so everything is, is impaired, everything is messed up, that we think is good, it, it is not truly good. So, so we have a hard time understanding what good means on earth. Everything that we deem good has some flaw or limitation because sin distorts it. But because our creator is that all-powerful, all-knowing, holy God, set apart from sin, what he says is good is really, really good period. No flaws, no weakness, no drawback. What he created is good, and, and it is without sin. And so it is, it is hard to comprehend how good all this was, this creation, because we are born into this sinful world. All we've ever known is, is brokenness, some on, on much different levels than others. Some have had a pretty easy life, and, and, and we've experienced brokenness and pain and hurt and some have experienced so much more, but we are surrounded by sin. We, we, we have no idea what this creation was like without sin. And so we can continue a little bit in chapter 2, try to get a better understanding of how good this creation was. And, and chapter 2 gives us a closer look at God's creation of man and woman. In verse 4, it says, These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation. At the time the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, no shrub of the field had yet grown in the land, no plant on the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord had not made it rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground, but mist would come from the earth and the water and all the ground. Then the Lord formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God ca- caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good f- for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then 10 through 14 describe the garden's location, and, but we're going to pick up in 15. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it, to watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. So can we picture this? Adam gets to live in this beautiful, sinless, perfect garden that God creates for him. He is to to work it, to watch over it, and he gets to eat from any tree except that one. Like, don't eat from that one. How great would this be? He doesn't have to care in the world. He can do anything he wants unless what he wants is to eat from that tree. And while he's doing whatever he wants, Adam is not dealing with any sin. He's not feeling shame for maybe taking like too long of a nap one day. He's not cursing in anger because he can't reach that one fruit that he really wants. He is not overcome with any of this because sin doesn't exist. And, and, and don't we long for something like that? Everything else that Adam gets is great. It's, it's awesome. But to be free from sin, man, I look at my life and, and everything I don't like about it, anything that causes stress, sadness, anger, I can attribute that to sin. And if you look on yours, you can attribute anything you don't like to sin, conflict, 
with my wife is, is sin, comes from sin. When I get frustrated with Lucy or, or even kids at work, sin, lust, and laziness, attribute that to sin. And then the shame that comes from lust and laziness, that's also attributed to sin. Family members becoming sick and, and dying is sin. My pride, when I think that, that my life, this life should be all about me, again, sin. It is the worst. And if we don't long for a day to be free from sin, we probably don't have a, a big enough view of sin. And it is probably too small in our eyes. It's not a big deal. And it doesn't affect our lives that much. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I don't worry about that. But on the other side, if we are controlled by this sin, our view of sin is probably not big enough and our view of grace is absolutely too small. So let's find that medium, find that medium to realize how big this is. We want to be free from it, but we should not let it control our lives and everything we do or don't do. I want to be free from this sin. I want to, I want to experience what Adam is experiencing, just freedom from everything. This life that Adam has is really, really good until it isn't. And immediately, next verse, we see that it isn't. We finally see something is not good in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal, every bird in the sky, brought each to the man to see what he would call it. Whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to all the birds of the sky, to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh of that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. The man said, this one, this one at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for she was taken from man. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife are naked. And again, no sin. They felt no shame. After everything God creates that was good, he calls something not good. Finally, there's something that is not good. For man to be alone. He sees that it's not good for man to be alone. So he brings every animal. Adam's like, no, I don't like any of these. I'm like, that's a beautiful horse, but no, thank you, God. Um, he creates woman. And, and, and all men forever are very thankful he did so. Whether or not you're in a relationship right now, you still came from a woman, and she probably did a good job raising you. We are very thankful that God did this, that we don't have to be alone. And now, at the beginning of the story, we begin to see this big picture forming, that we can kind of let go of all these little things that we don't have to worry about and look at this big picture. It's starting to form. We don't really see it. We'll see it more in chapter 3. But again, we're not getting to that yet. Come back next week. Um, we see this big picture forming. Because uh, when we're reading this now, we have the benefit of knowing what this marriage and, and every single marriage afterwards is going to point to. We know that now. We can see that. It was not good for man to be alone. He needs a helper. So God provides a helper from Adam's flesh. From his own flesh, he provides a helper. And now, it is not good for us. We need a great helper. We are actually beyond help. We need more than that. We need a savior. So God provides. 
but not from our flesh. Because our flesh is corrupt with sin. It is messed up. Nothing good is going to come from our flesh like Adam's. But from the only thing that is completely and perfectly good, it comes from himself. John 1, 1. It's not going to be on the screen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that had been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness, and yet darkness did not overcome it. This was the plan from the beginning. This is the point of the beginning. He is the story from the beginning. Jesus. This is it. This is the big picture that we have to get to every week when we look at this. Every day when you're frustrated with sin, you have to look at the big picture. This is it. Jesus. Without Jesus, there is no story. There's, there's nothing. Without Jesus, we have no hope. Because we'll see in chapter 3 why Jesus has to save us because of the sin and why and what he has to save us from. Eternal damnation, eternal separation from God forever. He has to save us and he has to save us from that. But what about what he's saving us for? This is big. We can look around everywhere in the world, social media, our jobs, our, our families, our own lives, and internally look at our hearts and we see that this life is nothing like the garden before the fall. It is, it is absolutely nothing. There's so much mess around us. It is nothing like what God called good. Our world is polluted by sin rather than free from it. And because we are guilty, we don't get to experience the garden. We don't get it. Just like Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden because they were found guilty. They, they ate from the only tree God told them not to. We too are guilty. We are born with this sin. Instead of that garden, we will experience pain, loss, sickness for the rest of our lives. We will experience this sin. But no matter how bad it gets here, there is this reward that is so much better than anything on this earth, so much better than any pain, any, any, any sin, any death. There's something, a reward waiting for those who are called children of the king. Best chapter in the Bible, Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. We lost the garden. We were kicked out because of sin. But because this story doesn't end right there, because the Father sending his Son, giving his life for our sin by the power of this Holy Spirit rising up, taking his right place at the right hand of God, we will return to that garden. But this time, it's going to be so much better because we will never lose it again. They're going to be there forever. And, and, and I cannot imagine how good it's going to be. I, I often try to think about how good it's going to be all, all the gifts that we get to receive, the big, big house, the big, big table, lots and lots of food, whatever, it's going to be so good. But beyond that, that I don't have to experience pain, sin, and just everything in my life that controls me so much, that causes so much hurt, I don't have to experience that anymore. But instead of just nothing, to not experience anything, good or bad, we get Jesus above all, forever, 
And it doesn't end. We don't get kicked out again. There's no more like, okay, you messed up one more time. Sorry, we'll try again next time. There's, there's no more of that. It's forever. We get Jesus forever. Uh, the band, go ahead and start coming up. I wanted to read uh, some words uh, that are some of my favorite words besides any scripture. Definitely not comparing them to anything in the Bible, but uh, I've read them probably too many times. Uh, but often when I think on this day, uh, that whether God's going to return to come get me uh, or, or when I die uh, and, and get to be with him forever, I often think of uh, this uh, song, this, this poem. And so I'll read this, uh, pray, and then, and then we can worship God out of this understanding that, that we get him forever. And, and let's look to that day uh, with, with, with patience, but, but we, we want it. Let's, let's look forward to that day. And here it is. On that day, we will sing of the name more excellent than angels, a purified bride, refined heart, speech, and mind, where unity and fellowship is perfected in the church, where divine love rests in the hearts of the inhabitants of the new earth, and receive a crown only to cast it down at the feet of the resurrected Jesus in a perfect, ceaseless form of worship, singing glory to the liberating king who came not to conquer kingdoms, but conquer hearts and restore men back to what they were intended for and escape this life marked by anguish. A great fountain of love that flows from heaven's gates awaits us. You can take this world, its joys, and its fleeting pleasures, but give us Jesus, our future hope, our greatest treasure, the fulfillment of our expectation with nothing to separate us, nothing to hinder the saints from the greatest expression of adoration, finally fit with the language to describe, with the right words to express, the richness of eternal possession, the blessing of inheritance, where God will be seen through purified eyes, purged from the sin that blinded us from viewing God as glorified, where love will be expressed with the perfect affection. Until then, we wait with expectation for all that we will acquire in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we are looking forward to this day. God, I pray that as we are here uh, on this earth, this, this earth so full of, of just mess, God, so full of pain and sickness, death, that God, while we are here, we will not forget this mission you have called us to. God, we want people to know this. We want people to know you so that they can too can look forward to this day that we get to be with you. But God, as we are walking through this with each other, God, remind us daily that you have saved us, not according to anything we can do, God, but according to the work that you have done, the son that you sent to cover all this sin, God. Remind us of that. And when it gets so hard, and we can't deal with it anymore. God, give us a picture of that day that we get to be with you forever, God. I can't wait, and these people can't wait, God. But while we're here, God, give us strength to do the work that you have called us to do. Let us worship you now out of this, this knowledge of this belief that you have saved us, and you get to save us forever. Amen. Amen.